The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with my co-host, Lauren Deller Blake. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Catherine? I'm I well. heard you coughing a little in the background. Did you hear me? I didn't know you could hear me. Yes. I, I mean, it's a long. It's been a long-term thing, but we're on the other side of it. Well, Lauren, you know, now in the context of what's happening with all the swine, it's a little bit scary. I mean, did you have a, a little bit of a panic there? Because, I mean, you've had this cough, and anybody who's been listening to the show knows you've had this for quite a while. So did it, does, did it scare you? No, it didn't really. I actually did call the doctor for my daughter just to see what they said, because her cough is like two weeks behind mine. She's got the same thing. And I was so happy to hear this was a typical medical, you know, medical office. They said, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around. There's a lot of pollen in the air. We don't want your daughter to come in the office and get something worse, so just give her cough medicine. <laughs> yeah, and they're right. You go to the doctor's office, you go to the emergency room, then you really have more of a chance of picking up okay, Especially stuff. what's going around right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, we, I just got back from New York City. We were down there, Barry and I, uh-huh. Barry and I, for about three days. And uh, I'll tell you something, you know, the swine flu thing, I, when I was there, it just started coming out in the news, and um, I didn't get... I wasn't really too afraid, but it's it, it sort of over the past few days has kind of played on my psyche. And I, I want to talk to you about that, because how do you feel about how the, the news or the media is covering the swine flu? I mean, do you think they're getting us, making us more frightened? I do. I do, and this is why. I said this exactly, exact thing to my husband this morning. I don't understand why they're not telling us the people that were the first 20 people in this country to get it were they in Mexico in the past week? I want to know that. Rather than it's just spreading like a wildfire thing. You know what I mean? They don't give you the background. They, they don't, don't give us any back- information on no. it. On, you know, okay, how, who were the first people in this country to get it? Where were they traveling? And then, then of course, we get a sense of, okay, have we been around people like that? Because, yeah, it's, it, they give you par- a partial picture that's the scary picture. I think, Lauren, there's two pieces to this just what you said, but the first part is we don't get the background. The people who got it in New York City, it was a school, it was a group, it was a it school. Was a bus, a whole, a whole, not a bus, a whole um, class went to Mexico. Went to Mexico, and so it's been this whole group of kids who got the swine flu. Second of all, none of them died. Many of them had very mild symptoms. They don't even say that. And another thing that they don't they say, but they just mentioned it, I heard Ann Curry on the Today Show, that 35,000 people die of the flu every, every year. year. The regular flu, the flu regular that we flu. That's right. get vaccinated for, and actually the vaccine that we use this year for this, the flu that we usually get didn't work anyway. It didn't apply to the strains that eventually came out. Right. So question, what's the difference between that and this new strain of swine flu? And as I understand it, the difference is that this new strain is just a new strain and we don't have, as of yet, a vaccination for it. But we do have antivirals medication if you do get the flu. <coughs> and they're using it. 
and they're using it. And, and it's helping. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Exactly. It's, it is interesting. I agree with you. They haven't talked about the fact, they haven't compared it to, wait a second, let's keep this in perspective. A large number of people die. The big difference that I'm understanding is that the people that are dying of swine flu are tend to be, you know, adults, middle age. But that's not true either because the, per, the person that died here actually in Texas, just like an hour from us, not even an hour from us, was a, a, two, a two-year-old. Yeah, 23 months. Wasn't yeah, 23 so that's months. a young, that's a bit. And I'll tell you, Sierra's had the flu. It's a scary time when a baby has sick, is sick like that. You can't get fluids in them enough, et cetera, et cetera. It's tough. Yeah, and they tend to have high fevers anyway. You know, they talk about having a high fever. Well, if you're in a, that's one of the, the things to watch out for. If you're an adult and you've got a fever of 103 with flu-like symptoms, okay, then that's something to be concerned about. Babies, they get the flu. They Many babies get the 103 temperature anyway. Yeah. Uh, but what about this, Lauren? The media doesn't want to scare people, so they have to avoid words like panic. You know, they don't want to – it depends on how they – describe the epidemic or the pandemic, uh-huh. the word pandemic, sounds, <laughs> doesn't it? It sounds scary, scary. in of itself. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think it's just the words they use. I think it's the way they use the words. There is this theatrical approach to presenting drama. the news. Yeah, drama. Drama and the way they introduce it, just, and it's, kind of the way I'm talking right now, and it's this sort of like you're doing a, a documentary. and It's true. Yeah, and that Fox News is exactly, it sounds that way. Well, and even if you look at the headlines, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but the headlines, you know, ec- epidemic and, um, you know, 15 deaths so far, it's just, it's crazy. My son lives in New York City. I said, of course, as a mother my grown son, I said, maybe you should come home and stay. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> yeah, he said, You're what so are you funny. talking about? He said, you know, well, how many cases in New York City? I don't know, 40 cases. There are 10 million people exactly. in New York City. And as you said, half of those cases were in Mexico. That's where they got it. And, they're, and also their kids, and they go to school together. And, you know, they certainly... Absolutely. Yeah, they're blowing in each other's faces and coughing and sneezing. Just wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And that's how to, and don't take your hands and don't put them in your eye and don't put them in any orifices if you haven't washed your hands because that's the way you transmit those that virus. But, Lauren, we have two people on the show today. One is an infectious disease specialist. He's oh, look at you right on it. Excellent. Yeah, and he's going to talk to us about uh, swine flu. <clears throat> also, new book, here it is, The Narcissism Epidemic, Gene Twinge, Twinge. She's a Ph.D. living in the age of entitlement. That's, it's a, she was on the Today Show last week talking about her book, so we got her on our show today. Excellent. Yeah, narcissism, which I think is rampant. Uh, and I sometimes uh, describe myself as a narcissist. I'm not so sure that's true. but um, <laughs> I think there's a big difference between that and being taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And that's, what, that's the important topic is yeah, what's the difference. Yeah, and you are taking care of yourself. Any of our <clears throat> listeners, you need to go to, can I mention it, the website? Is that something I should be mentioning? Oh, yeah, sure. It's it's not, It's not. the tweaks are happening as we speak, so go for it. Okay, great, because we do have our guest on the line, which is great. She's here uh, a little early, but uh, laurenbellerblake.com. New website, great website. Love the look of it. 
um, and very interactive. You can participate. All kinds of information about Lauren Beller Blake. Talk about narcissists <laughs> with a big picture of you on the front that changes in case we, so we can see you <laughs> in various states. In various stages. I mean, it's perfect for the intro to our narcissism uh, guest. Um, anyway, but no, it, it's great because it. Lots of information, and you, Big Fish Nation, and you can get to it in different ways from Big the Big Fish Nation, Lauren Beller Blake, or just Lauren Beller, or lots of different ways, right? Uh, all different ways. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thank you anyway. for that. Yeah, I love it. I like the look of it. Look is, looks are important. It's I, it's critical. Yeah, it is. Packaging is critical these days. It is. Packaging is, and so that's important. And you've done it, so that's great. Makes me. Well, I have to change my website as well. Um, but once you've done one website, you know how difficult it was for me to get started and to get one out there, which I did. Now I realize what I would change, what I want to do. You know, once well, that's you have typical, it, though. It's so typical. I mean, you'll, I think we're going to see pages change even more quickly because the Internet is changing so quickly and how we're using the Internet. Like I even I started this, I think it was February, January maybe, and um, I already am realizing, oh, there's things that I want to change about it. And they're not little things. They're drastic. I think the web is going to be such a fluid thing. Yeah. Although you have to know when to stop also because you really can get, you you know, you get into that like wanting to change it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And then you see somebody else's website and it's like, oh, they've got this on it and, boy, that works better and I'd like to change mine. Exactly. But that can drive you crazy. It can, but I think we're going to find that you're going to start to have a relationship with web development people that it's just going to be, they're not going to charge a whole lot because it's not going to be such a huge project to make the change because they're going to be minor changes that make a big difference in the ability for people to navigate your your website. Yeah, because you're right. They always make a big deal, or they that that's true because technology changes. And technology changes, and it's actually changing quickly. I mean, six months ago, people weren't talking about the huge boom with Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, and now it's a huge deal. And now, you know, um, what I'm realizing is there's less reason to have a mailing list of people that you email all the time, you actually need to go out and build your list with Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and then you communicate with them that way. That's an easy way. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about Twitter and advertising the show, our show on Twitter and stuff, and coming. But then I, oh, so many people are doing it now, and I get so many Twitterings from my show and this show. I don't pay attention. That's <laughs> another a that's, lot, yeah. Yeah, that's part of the problem. So you become part, it, you know, you still need your own individual branding and your own individual contacts because I'm finding there are so many, because of such so much contact with all the Twitter people, or people are Twittering me and telling me what they're doing and when their show is or when they're, whatever they're doing, I don't listen. I, you don't I pay it because it's so too that's much information. What? It's too much information. Too much information. We've got 30 seconds left. You and I are going to take a break. And uh, where you're listening to Catherine Sox, Lauren Beller Blake, and it's VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Uh, next coming up is Living in the Age of Entitlement: The Narcissism Epidemic. Gene M. Twinge, Ph.D. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. What are you going to do when that big emergency strikes? Do you know how to prepare? Do you know when? What if we provided you a source to learn from and plan as you go? Listen for The Road to Ready with your host, Rick Tobin. Rick will offer a weekly source of reliable information and resources. You'll hear about new ideas and innovation in emergency management. Best of all, you'll have the tools to get ready for any emergency in small bites each week. The Road to Ready is heard every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. The Catherine Zox Show with Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host. And coming up in this half hour, she's here with us now, is Jean M. Twenge, Ph.D., uh, author of The Narcissism Epidemic, Living in the Age of Entitlement. Narcissism is everywhere, from Alex Rodriguez kissing his own image in a, in a mirror to John Edwards, and we all remember this, John Edwards' public admission that narcissism led him to cheat on his wife, to our culture's obsession with writing about ourselves on Facebook and Twitter. It is ravaging our culture and making people depressed, lonely, and buried under piles of debt. So here to talk about it, narcissism, and her new book is 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 Jean M. Twenge. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Thanks, my pleasure. Well, I totally agree with you. Narcissism, it is an epidemic in this country. There's no question about that. Jean, what about what is narcissism? How do we define it? What's the difference between narcissism and self-esteem? Okay, so someone who is narcissistic has an inflated sense of self, and um, other people would call them arrogant or cocky. So there's a key difference between somebody who's high in narcissism and somebody who's high in self-esteem. The high self-esteem person who's not narcissistic, um, you know, will care about individual achievement areas, but also places a lot of importance on their relationships. The person who's narcissistic is missing that piece about um, caring for others and, and relationships. And they also, instead of having a good sense of themselves, have this unrealistic and inflated sense of self, so they're not confident, they're overconfident. How, okay, they're, they're overconfident. They are, everything is related 
specifically to them. Actually, like that Octomom, she's a narcissist, or at least every uh, she appears to me to be a, a narcissist. It, uh, everything is all about her. It's all about me. Um, and she has that that uh, that uh, kind of fantasy going on too, and very unrealistic about um, what's actually going to happen. I mean, she she taught she did these crazy things like she would talk about how all eight of the kids were going to go to a university daycare, and, and she was going to be able to support them even though she was going to school. It was crazy. Yeah, and it is crazy. And and narcissistic personality disorder. I mean, that's a very serious personality disorder. Um, how many Americans are afflicted with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with narcissistic personality disorder. Okay, well, first we have to make the distinction that there's a difference between narcissistic personality traits and narcissistic personality disorder. So it is a continuum. But there's lots and lots of people running around out there who are pretty self-centered, and so they would score fairly high in narcissistic personality traits, but they wouldn't necessarily reach that clinical-level diagnosis of NPD. Um, there's a new study out from the National Institutes of Health that found that NPD is much more common than previously thought. About 6% of Americans have had experience with it at some time in their lives. The, the most stunning finding, I thought, from that study was the age differences they found. Now, usually when you ask people, you know, have you ever had experience with, and then they give them the symptoms, and then uh, the researchers decide, you know, whether this fit NPD, you'd find a much higher incidence among people who are older because they've had more years of life to live. Somebody's 65, live 40 years longer than somebody's 25. But they found the opposite. People over 65, only 3% of them had ever had experience with NPD at any time in their life compared to 10% of people in their 20s who had already, even in their very short adult lives, 10%, almost 10% had already had experience with NPD, which is the severe clinical form of the trait. So we're talking about, let's just talk about having, you know, it's on a continuum, you're right. Uh, where, why today, why do more young people, or why is it seems to be a cultural thing here in the United States, where does it come from? Why, why are we so narcissistic, and what is, why is it unhealthy? Why is it unhealthy for the individuals, for families, and for the community? Okay, so you got two big questions there. The first one is, why is this happening? So in the narcissism epidemic, we identify four main causes for the epidemic. Uh, And these tend to affect young people more simply because they're affected more by the whole culture. But they're going to go across the generations and across the whole culture in ways. It's going to, it's drawn in a lot of people of every age. And even people who aren't particularly narcissistic sometimes get drawn into these these, uh, cultural trends. So first we have parenting. So kids um, are put on a pedestal and their parents tell them, the greatest thing ever. Uh, then we have the internet, which um, you know, allows people to craft the image they want, and that's that's fine to an extent. But it also can cross over into narcissism. I mean, narcissists thrive on Facebook. There's a research study on this. They have more friends there. They post more attractive pictures of themselves. Then we have celebrity culture. So it's now possible to hire fake paparazzi to follow you around when you go out at night, so you can pretend that you're famous. Uh, once again, we have this fantasy, you know, looking better than you actually are. Then the last is easy credit, which allows people to uh, look uh, wealthier than they are and have the fantasy of uh, having something but not paying for it right away. Of course, it's a little harder to get an easy mortgage than it used to be, but a lot of other uh, credit is, is still fairly easy to get. Um, so these, these are the cultural trends, and this, this has drawn in a, a lot of people. Okay, so who, uh, the, I want to stop you there for a minute, because, Jean, all right, you've mentioned the cultural trends, the uh, celebrity status that we can buy, really, paparazzi, we can get credit, build big houses, look like we're wealthier, parents tell us we're great even when we're not. 
who feeds this? Who's feeding this all the time? And why? You know, so we get on this bandwagon, uh, and I, probably most of us on some level get hooked into this. Um, but who feeds it? I mean, who continues to make us sort of get on this bandwagon and uh, I would say perpetuate these narcissistic behaviors? Yeah. Um, well, there's a both of the who and a what. So the, the what is really that the, the culture has, has, has pushed us in, in, in this direction. That it's this general trend toward focusing on the self. That's how it started. And it was, it started with these good intentions and we should feel good about ourselves. And then it crossed over into, well, it's good to feel good about yourself. You should feel great about yourself and think that you're special and better than other people. And then the, the who, what often happens, it's a fascinating pattern, is that Narcissistic people, often the really high narcissistic NPD people, will start a trend and then it will draw in other people. So plastic surgery is a perfect example of that. Ten years ago, about 50% of people who were getting plastic surgery had NPD. Now it's drawn in all kinds of people because now it's just not as acceptable to have wrinkles or um, to just not look as good. All these appearance things are a great example of this. Teeth whitening, started by people who are really obsessed with their appearance. Now you get yellow teeth, you're way out of the norm. And 15 years ago, nobody would have noticed. And the other thing about this, you're right, and and I'm probably one of them. I'm saying, <laughs> but it, it's like there's no substance to it. I guess I'm listening to you. Where's the substance? I mean, why are we doing this? There's nothing. There's real no. There is no substance behind it. So it can't really get us anywhere, can it? Talking about what the impact is on our culture. I mean, if we're telling our kids they're fabulous, they're wonderful, they're beautiful, and they're not, or they're, or we tell them they're talented and Kids play in, you know, even when they're in school when they're younger and they play on the, uh, competitive, supposedly competitive uh, sports teams and then everybody gets a trophy kind of thing. That, that's not helpful. That's not based on any, that's not based on reality. I mean, that has to be really destructive, doesn't it? It, it is, but people think that it's helpful. So this is one of the biggest reasons it's spread. So when I talk to college students, um, and I'll, I'll say, you know, my data shows, so, you know, sorry, didn't want to find this, but the data shows your generation is the most narcissistic ever. Quite to my surprise, they pretty much, to, without any exception, say, yep, you're right, we are, you got us. But then they'll say, but we have to be narcissistic because the world is competitive. They're absolutely convinced that putting themselves first and being self-centered helps them succeed. Of course, the problem is it doesn't because, just as you said, it, it's unrealistic. You don't know uh, your own um, uh, abilities. You don't, have, you don't learn from your mistakes when you're overconfident. You take too many risks. And in the short term... Self-promotion, that's, that's fine, that can, that can pay off, but it doesn't have to go into full-blown narcissism, yet they think that that's what's going to help them succeed in life. Yeah, because when these kids get older, and just to take it a step further from what you said, uh, and they, the reality sets in and they have to, they get married and they have to get along with somebody else, or they, uh, they get a job, they lose a job, they get fired, they have a sick child, they have all of these things that one ends up having to deal with in life, they're not prepared uh, because uh, of this narcissistic behavior, I think, that's encouraged when they're younger by parents, by, well, by the culture at large. And, and so I think it presents, and I think you talk about this in the book, I mean, what happens is then you get, you get uh, individuals, as they, and later in life they get depressed, they, they rely on alcohol and drugs to kind of buoy them up, and I, I think a lot of that is a result of this narcissism that we encourage 
I mean, do you agree with me? Well, yeah, because there's, there's a research study that shows this, that people who are uh, high in narcissism, that they, they do okay in the, in the short term. You know, they have the, the sizzle and not the substance, and the sizzle works for a while, but then it dies off. And when it starts to die off, and they have, they, they have trouble. Basically, what happens is they alienate other people, so they mess up their relationships at home and at work, because in the end, nobody likes a jerk, which is why it doesn't really lead to success. And then they get depressed, because they end up messing up their lives. Let's get back to the kids because I always because we can do something about it. And what should we do? How can we first of all? How can can we prevent it as individuals? I mean, we can't control the whole culture, but let's say as as mothers, um, what can we do to, in terms of raising our children in a narcissistic culture? How can we help them so that they don't get hooked into this sizzle rather than substance? Right, so I'm, I'm a mom too. I have a two, two and a half year old and I have another one on the way. So I've thought about this a lot. My co-author has two kids as well. And um, so we look at the research first to see well, what kind of parenting tends to lead to narcissism later in life. And it is the kind of permissive parenting that's become so popular and the idea that you should, um, so the parents who put their kids on a pedestal, praise them a lot, rarely criticize them, those are the people who later on um, score higher in narcissism. So moving away from that model of that we have to pump kids up all the time, you know, that's a good first step. I think for older kids, given what I hear from, from these college students, I think it's absolutely essential that parents have this, this talk with, with older teens um, about success and what actually leads to success, that it's not being self-centered, that in fact uh, getting along with others and understanding their feelings and a kind of anti-narcissism of uh, empathy, that actually will help you succeed in life more than being self-centered. There's all kinds of ideas that we talk about in the in the book, both in the we have a whole chapter on parenting, and then at the end with solutions um, about um, dealing with younger kids and and uh, just how you don't want to put in control of the household. It's as simple as that, and not to ask them what they want all the time, and when you do ask them for the choices to be limited ones. So not do you want to go to bed now because the answer is always no, and then you put them in control of the situation. But do you want to go to bed now or in five minutes? I tried this with my niece when she was three, and it worked perfectly. She said, I have more to add to that. We've got to take a short break because we've got uh, 20 seconds left. But we're talking to Jean Twenge, uh, author of The Narcissistic Epidemic, Living in the Age of Entitlement, and it's the Catherine Zock Show, your social worker with the microphone with Lauren Beller-Blake. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Is it really true that nearly half of all marriages end in divorce? Get the answers to this and other questions about relationships on Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak. 
The program's devoted to marriage, divorce, midlife dating, and men-women relationships in general. Jim and his guest experts will have plenty of information, insights, and advice for you, all as part of a lively and wide-ranging discussion about today's relationships. You can listen Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, for Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak on Voice America. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Catherine Zox on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with my co host, Lauren Deller Blake, and we're talking to Gene Twenge, author of The Narcissism Epidemic Living in the Age of Entitlement. And uh, we don't talk just on the show, but we were talking during the break, too. Lauren, you had something, and it was a really important question that you were talking uh, with Jean about. Why don't you uh, bring that up? Because I want listeners to hear that. Yeah, I just I think that there's something happening in our – there's a transition happening with women in particular where we're learning how to better take care of ourselves and put ourselves first or take care of ourselves so we can do better in the world and take care of others better. And I think that's a fine line but a very important distinction for – Self-care, self-responsibility, and, and narcissism. Like, where's the line? Yeah, it, is, it, it can be a tough line, uh, especially for, for women to find. And, yes, we do. Um, I, the, the nice thing is, you know, a lot of times when we do take care of ourselves, then we can take better care of, of other people. And you do have to be protective of that. Um, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong, um, you know, with making sure that you're healthy and making sure that um, – you are taking care of of yourself, um, but of course you know, you have to make sure you're not crossing over that line when um, you are doing things that end up meaning that you're not um, you know taking care of your family to the extent that you should. I think that part of it that fine line. I mean, if you're if you it's all about being aware or self aware. Yeah. I mean, narcissistic qualities involve really devaluing, as you talk about in the book, Gene, emotionally warm and caring relationships, constantly seeking attention. It's all about me. That's very different than taking care of yourself. Or uh, There are some very different qualities to that. And uh, being an exhibitionist, for example, or feeling entitled, or all of those things are associated with narcissism, which that has nothing to do with self-care and, and, and uh, being responsible for for taking care of, of yourself emotionally, physically, and then being able to take care of your family. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't put it any better myself. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this whole and I want to get back to the. I, I like to stick with the parenting thing because I think it's really important. Um, uh, you know, it, it, because I mean that's the only way, and perhaps there are other ways, and you can talk to us about that, Jean. But how to kind of 
try and get rid of this narcissistic society, it's, it's really very detrimental. And I think long range, 10, 20 years from now, we're going to find ourselves in, uh, we're already finding ourselves in, in real uh, kind of dire circumstances because of it. I mean, I think even, don't you think, let's, let's talk about the uh, economic, our, our economic situation, the, the Wall Street guys giving themselves a $40 million bonuses when they have uh, brought a company down, not because they succeeded. Isn't this a result of narcissism? Doesn't that tie into what you're talking about in your book? It does. So, you know, when you, so let's take this one great study that took um, people and put them in a stock market simulation. Well, the nurses did pretty well when things were on the upswing, but when things went bad, they lost a lot more money than people who weren't as narcissistic. And it's a good metaphor for what happens when people take too many risks and they're overconfident. And this is exactly what happened in, in the economy. So when things were going well, you had people who just stayed amazingly overconfident and took way too many risks. So you had um, well, housing prices were, were built up by folks who couldn't actually afford the house and the mortgage lenders who were giving them those loans. So that built up the price for everybody. And then this sucked in lots of people especially here where I live in California, where just to afford a house, they had to take out this, uh, this risky loan, just even for a starter house. And it drew in all of these people, and everybody was very confident. All the lenders were sure that even these subprime mortgages were going to get paid off. It was all going to be fine. And the homeowners were sure that they could afford this house, um, even though the, paper said that they, they, uh, the paperwork said they couldn't. And it all crashed. And when it crashed, it was the most spectacular since the Great Depression. And that's what we're living with right now is the consequences of this. And we saw the same on, on Wall Street. So it wasn't just mortgages. It was, the, it was all the, the Wall Street folks who, you know, paying them, themselves these incredible amounts of money and clearly took too many risks and were clearly overconfident. And, um, yeah, you know, a lot of Wall Street types, I haven't um, you know, tried to diagnose them, but I think it's a pretty good bet that you got a lot of narcissism there. I would bet so, too. And I think Bernie Madoff played into it beautifully. You're lucky to invest with me. Wasn't that his whole thing? He made it difficult for people to invest with him and that it was special and that it was something that they were privileged to do. And he would get these people from these country clubs feeling like they were, uh, you know, playing on their narcissistic qualities, I think. And that's how they, not all of them, but many of them got sucked into the the Bernie Madoff uh, Ponzi scheme because of you know, being uh, you know being attracted to this narcissistic kind of behavior. I think, anyway. Well, yeah, and he he also you know said, well, I get good returns even when the market is down. If you're overconfident, you don't question the fact that, huh? That doesn't make any sense. Talk about because you do talk about this in the book, like internet sites, you know, the websites now, uh, MySpace and Facebook and Twitter. How does that play into all this narcissistic stuff? And what do we do? I mean, that's not going to go away. That's a, no. you know, Social networking is the way that we connect. I mean, it's going to be one of the ways we connect anyway. So how do we use that without getting hooked into the narcissistic aspect of, of uh, Facebook, MySpace, Facebook, and Twitter? Yeah, that's going to be a really tough one to solve. So we've already seen some solutions in Easy Credit. I think there are, there are some clear solutions in parenting. Yeah, the Internet's not going to go away. Um, I think just, you know, for people to use it the way most people use it, which is to keep in touch with friends and, you know, organize worthwhile groups and things. And just for it to be a tool and not for it to be the way that you communicate with your friends most of the time. So, you know, it's, it's almost like junk food interaction in a way that as humans what we really need is face-to-face interaction. And if Facebook and MySpace and some things can, can help, you know, you meet people and then you get together in person and that's how you organize things, that's great. Um, but it really, 
doesn't push for that. It pushes for this shallow interaction, which is classic narcissism, where you know you have these relationships, but it's just it's really networking. It's really what they can do for you instead of this deep emotional relationship. And it really, especially for for young teens, it really bothers me because the identity that people create on MySpace and Facebook tends to emphasize the more narcissistic parts of their personality. Here's a picture of me. Here I am with the cool friends at the party. I'm drinking. And it's all this stuff about how cool you look. And very little of it has any substance in terms of relationships or in terms of, say, intellectual interest. Nobody ever talks about how much they're like history class on MySpace. Yeah, so it's all about image, 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 and it's just, and it is scary. There is no substance. You've got all this sizzle there. Another thing you talk about in the book, I just got kind of changing topics a little bit because I find this interesting, uh, the quest for infamy and the rise of incivility, because incivility, don't you agree with me, Lauren? I mean, that is a major problem in, in, in this country, I think, wherever you go. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, because I, I think that that this whole narcissism thing and people being not civil and not treating each other well uh, is it, it, an issue that needs addressing. Yeah, so one, one of the, there's a lot of consequences to the narcissism epidemic. We spend a lot of time on those in the book, and one of those is um, this kind of attention-seeking aggression and then the more mild but still a form that affects you know, a lot of people is just people being cruel to each other. Um, and you, you see this, um, you know, if you got more narcissists, in the society, you're going to see more of this behavior, people just being jerks more often in, in real life, and online. Um, it, online allows a lot of people to do this because it's anonymous. If you read the comment sections on YouTube, it's incredible how cruel people are. And they just say these horribly mean things. And, you know, it's clear that because it's anonymous, they don't think they're ever going to get caught, so they're never going to come back to them. And they have this very often, this very narcissistic attitude of, you know, I can criticize you, but don't dare you come criticize me. I'm entitled to my opinion, but you're not entitled to yours. So there, there, when you do this all on the net, there's no consequences to it. I mean, I guess there have been consequences. I mean, even some teenagers have committed suicide as a result of the the harassment and stuff that they've got on the net. But that's that's another maybe that's another topic. But the whole thing about consequences to your behavior, I guess. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, we used to. I mean, I'm a baby boomer, and my boyfriend and I would go to go to the city all the time. And before all of this economic downturn, we go to some of these boutique hotels, and, the, the, you know, the business was great, and, and some of the younger people who were working there had this kind of attitude, you're lucky to be staying here, although you're paying a zillion dollars to stay here. Then when the economic, you know, when things went, uh, when our economy went down the tubes, now everybody's nice, now they're accommodating, now there's much more uh, service available. It, it's really interesting, with, I mean, but that's kind of behavior, uh, we have to wait until there's kind of a disaster before that happens. you know what I'm saying? Like customer service, people are being nicer to you because they're more desperate to get your business. Yeah, and that's, that's, uh, it's, um, it's unfortunate that it, it has to have an economic downturn. Uh, well, but, you know, it's self-interest. It's, that's, that's when the narcissist is going to be nice to you, you know, when it's in their self-interest. Right, so we have a couple minutes left, and uh, I guess we are, I think we've covered some of it, though, treating the epidemic of narcissism. Leave us with a few words. What can we do? What should we be doing? We talked about the parenting thing. Are there other things that we can do uh, as responsible people as uh, to, to kind of, like, uh, mitigate some of this narcissistic behavior? 
So, you know, I think everybody just needs to, to take a step back from, from this idea of um, self-esteem being the be-all and end-all. But it's okay to feel a little bad about yourself from time to time because that's how we learn and we can learn from our mistakes. And you don't have to be wildly narcissistic or even feel that great about yourself to succeed. It's much more important to work hard and to understand, um, you know, your abilities and what they are. And just also to kind of move away from um, these, these shallow values and focus. You know, you know, people say this all the time, but we rarely do it. To focus on this, the stuff that, that really is important. So to not think so much about, you know, how you look and, and what you have, but instead um, the people that you care about and that that's much, much more important. Yeah, that's great advice, and I want uh, listeners to know it's a great book. I mean, we've just covered part of it, but there's so much in this book. Uh, the Narcissism Epidemic, Living in the Age of Entitlement, Jean M. Twenge, Ph.D., uh, and it's co-authored with W. Keith Campbell, Ph.D. as well. Now, website, we can go to, to purchase the book, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, but more information about you, about the book, where do we go? Uh, NarcissismEpidemic.com. And we've got a, a whole FAQ on narcissism there and a bunch of other material. Terrific. Great. Great having you on the show this morning. Thanks so much. You're welcome. It's great. Yeah. Thanks, Jean. Uh, Lauren, we're going to take a short break because um, we've got 30 seconds left, and we have our next guest coming up who's going to talk to us about the swine flu epidemic. Don't go away. You're listening to Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller-Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Van Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action, broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Deller Blake, my co host on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Uh, joining us this morning is Dr. Sharon Malalam. And Dr. Sharon Malalam is a man, not a woman. We've already discussed that. But anyway, he is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Survival of the Sickest. He has a new book, How Sex Works. He has, he's co-founded a biotech company and developed an antimicrobial drug designed to address the growing problem of superbug infections. Uh, he has... Uh, he has researched, discovered a new ge- genetic association for familial Alzheimer's disease. He's published papers in a wide variety of fields. Uh, but he's really here to talk to us today about swine flu because, uh, obviously, he is the expert. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Doctor. And I don't hear him. Do you hear Hi him? Hi there. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I just watched you for a second. I'm here. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> we- anyway... So, talk to us. I mean, you have all the credentials. Uh, you, uh, you know, you are a geneticist, biologist, uh, all of those kinds of things. So, tell us. Everyone is terrified. I even though the media is trying to kind of, I guess, uh, make it so that we're not terrified. Don't want us to be panicked. But uh, swine flu. Uh, is there a need? Should we be? What do we do? How do we avoid getting it? Uh, should we be frightened? Talk to us about it. Well, I'm, I'm part of, um, I mean, part of being on the planet, I think we always have to remember that we, we share it with, um, with millions of other organisms. And um, part, of, part of our living, I think we've been very sheltered in the last um, 60, 70 years with antibiotics. And I think we've kind of forgot about uh, what pandemics can do. And I think the big fear is that, um, you know, we're facing something pretty serious here. And uh, the issue is that there may not be much we can do. Uh, you know, with the way modern civilization is, uh, modern air travel, um, to contain something uh, is not really possible. But, I mean, the one thing that we can do is we can learn from many cultures in Asia um, that naturally kind of keep contact to a minimum. And, um, you know, that involves less handshaking, um, you know, less kissing when you're greeting, um, and uh, and... In just being conscious of uh, hygiene in general, just to kind of stem the flow. And, and it could also be that we would be very fortunate, at least uh, in the northern hemisphere, since um, naturally flu season is, is coming to an end soon. So uh, if we're fortunate enough, we may have a respite for uh, a few months, uh, which is long enough for us maybe to come up with a, a vaccine um, let me ask you this, because I mentioned this at the beginning, and I'm not an expert, I'm a social worker, but in the beginning of the show, and I don't know if you heard it or not, but, I mean, 35,000 people, 36,000 people die of the flu every year, have, and have consistently, as right. I understand it, for the past few years. So why is this different? Why, you know, we're talking which, about, which, my son such, lives such, in New York City, good, and I said, oh, my God, you need to bring up. home. What? It's, it's, it's such a great point that you bring up, and it's part of the reason why we, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't panic. We should really put this in perspective. Uh, the only thing is about that statistic; those are usually people who are who are ill already, so they have some kind of underlying condition. And and you know, when when um, a flu season is about to begin, everyone's encouraged to get a flu shot, especially people who you know are considered at risk 
and it's, it's usually uh, people who are a bit older or have any underlying medical, medical condition. What's, what's really worrisome here, at least from Mexico, and this is what's confusing a lot of researchers because we're not really seeing the same pattern outside of Mexico, is that um, a lot of the people who are sick were young and healthy. So the majority are between the ages of 20 and 40. And that's not the typical people that come down with uh, the flu that you would see during flu season. That's much more typical of uh, a sort of a pandemic type of uh, flu or flu that can at least start uh, in, in epidemic proportions. And that's what's really kind of getting people uh, concerned, I, I think, uh, because, again, that's, that's a different pattern. That's a different type of, of illness, something we don't see usually, because usually our immune systems are robust enough to deal with, um, you know, the yearly kind of strain of flu, uh, especially if we're healthy. All right, so without getting too scientific, because we're not a scientific crowd here, but so if it's different, you're saying it because the concern is because of the people who are coming down with the flu, which is very different than the other flu where people maybe have compromised immune systems, they're they're old or they're very young or they're sick or whatever. Does that mean the virus itself is different or the way it's transmitted is different or what? And I, all these are all great questions that we don't have really good answers for yet. And, and um, that's but that's what's getting that's what getting a lot of people concerned because um, the first part is yes, it's it's different because it's affecting people that usually don't get don't come down with the flu, um, and not typically in the same number. And um, also that uh, it seems to be very infectious. Whereas with although for example avian flu which at least initially seems to be much more deadly than the swine flu that we have now, it doesn't seem to, to transmit between people as well. Um, and, uh, you know, in the popular media we have this, I think there was a few years back a movie called, uh, you know, Outbreak, and there was that scene where, oh, it, the virus is now airborne. Well, this is a virus that, um, the, uh, this, this version of the swine flu, that um, is transmitted uh, through aerosol, which means person-to-person contact, and it seems to be very infectious in that route, and that's what's, that's what's getting people concerned. It seems to be that um, everyone who, um, who now in other countries are coming down with this version of the swine flu um, was either on vacation or exposed to someone originally in, in Mexico, and that's what's getting people concerned. It's, if, if something can transmit between people very easily and rapidly and affect people who are usually healthy, um, you're, you're kind of looking at a, a very, um, let's just say, a situation that raises a lot of concern. But, Doctor, how about this? And this is maybe trying to make it, I'm trying to be more optimistic, but yeah. when they do come down with it, it appears, and I don't know, is it because they are a healthy, a younger group of people or a younger, healthier group of people? It doesn't sound like they are as sick. I mean, it or Exactly. And, and you bring up a good point, and that's, the, that's so far... Um, the most reassuring kind of news that we have. Um, you know, this is not a deadly uh, virus in any way uh, or degree as such as, uh, you know, Ebola. Um, but, uh, you know, the concern, of course, is still there because uh, we live in a very globalized world. We rely on um, other people to produce our food. So disruption, any disruption anywhere in the world for uh, any reason, you know, it may not be that um, because of our medical system here, 
we may we may be somewhat protected, and yet um, we still rely on other people to produce um, our basic needs. And I think that that's what's shifted, uh, especially um, in the last hundred years. Whereas so many people before were living um, a much more agrarian lifestyle and much more closer to the land to food production. Today, when 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 if uh, lines of of uh, delivery um, of food get um, you know disrupted for for any event. Um, that's an issue because then it's then it becomes how do you get your basic needs? And I think One last that, question because we've only got two minutes left. Sure. I, I have to ask you this. Also, there is a. I mean, we have antiviral medication which seems to work in terms of curing it, right? Right. Is that real, realistic? Right. Yeah, and I mean that's what we're hopeful. The only thing is viruses mutate very rapidly, um, and the uh, the concern is that if if too many people start taking these medications, even prophylactically, meaning that they they're trying to take it um, to try to prevent getting uh, uh, the swine flu. The big concern is that you will see resistance really quickly, just like you see resistance uh, in every other type of uh, um, microbe eventually. And I think that that's, that's the concern. But um, but on the positive note, yeah, you bring a very good point out that uh, we're in a very different um, picture, at least um, so far, than uh, the world was back in 1918 with the last a very serious pandemic anyways, uh, that we actually have some uh, antivirals at our disposal. And we also, we, we're, 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 we're much, I think, more, I don't know, the word is not antiseptic, but we live in a cleaner environment. We, you know, we have a lot of, wash your hands. Right, uh, right. You know, and, and also, uh, the, the other issue is, it's people looking back at past uh, influenza outbreaks, the, um, the thinking is that... Um, Ten it, seconds. It was it was the lack of kind of having a really strong medical infrastructure that led to a lot of people. Uh, That's to a good point. Them. We're going to have to leave on that one. You have been it's been great having you on the show. Um, obviously, lots of good information. I recommend uh, listeners also get your new book, How Sex Works, uh, and uh, we'll have to have you on again. Thanks so much, Doctor Doctor Sharon Malalam, and I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller Blake. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to Voice America Variety. We have to say goodbye, Lauren. Goodbye. We'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.